Next on BYUSN, sustaining success. Which positive trends can BYU football sustain following an injury-plagued, hard-fought victory over Wyoming? Miles Davis, Keanu Hill, Jaron Hall, depth. Was any of that singular? Gritty, just don't get a penalty. <laughs> Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, September 26th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside a man who's been known to hit a gritty a time or two, Jeremy. I never have. I don't know how to do it. I know you did it in the hallway coming in one day. and I tried. The, and the guy that created it hit you up on social? <laughs> what happened again? Yes, he somehow found it, got tagged in it, and... Uh, Sent in like 17 laughing emojis in response nice. to my attempt at the gritty. Hey, there you go, man. Keanu hey, hit it the right way. He hit it the right way to the tune of not 17 emojis, but 15 yards. <laughs> ESPN's Trevor Maddox will join the program today uh, to break down Keanu Hill, Miles Davis, plus a continued excellent play, I dare say, elite of Jaron Hall. Mm. We've got this week's uni combo for Utah State. New one. Uh, I get smacked in Fantasy Friday, and women's volleyball coach Heather Olmstead makes history. She will join us in studio to discuss. But first... Today's winning headlines. BYU football outlasts, and I choose that word carefully, <laughs> Wyoming. 38-24, the Cougars maintain their number 19 national ranking in the latest AP poll. Jaron Hall, well over 300 yards passing, four touchdowns. He was outstanding. Miles Davis, a breakthrough performance, 131 yards rushing, including ripping off a 70-yard run late in the game. Keanu Hill. Five catches, 160 yards, and two touchdowns, including this. Hall settles in a clean pocket, loads up and goes for Keanu Hill, and it is caught by Keanu. 20, 15, 10, 5, on his feet, touchdown! What a play, and what a night for Keanu Hill. That was spectacular. Drag that man 15 yards into the end zone. 20! Hopefully BYU will drag their mojo into a Thursday game against Utah State in Provo, 8 p.m. Eastern National Spotlight. Dude, the Aggies are bad, real bad. Cougars in the NFL, Jamal Williams, he's having a season, man. 20 carries, two catches, two touchdowns, 107 yards total offense, and a Lions loss to the Vikes. He's tied with Nick Chubb for the most rushing touchdowns in the NFL. That's pretty awesome. Brady Christensen's Panthers beat the Saints. Daniel Sorensen had two tackles. Taysom Mill, no stats. And Michael Davis had 10 tackles, and Kyle Vanoy had five in a loss surprisingly, to the Jaguars. Free Taysom. Tyler Algier, six carries, 25 yards in an Atlanta Falcons win over Jerem Seahawks. <sighs> Fred Warner, seven tackles and a pass deflection and a 49ers loss to the Denver Broncos. Dax Milne had one catch for 12 yards and a 29-yard punt return in a commander's loss to the Eagles. It was uh, it was uh, two members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints fielding punts in that game with Britton Cohen. How about cool. that? Number 16, women's volleyball gets his first win against a ranked team this season with a four-set victory against number 17, Pepperdine. Heather Olmstead won her 200th game, becoming the fastest coach to 200 wins in D1 history. Amazing. Heather will join us later in the show. BYU men's basketball opens up official practices tonight, yeah. 9 p.m. Eastern. We're going to show it to you live on BYU TV. It'll give you more than just a sneak peek. All access with Mark Pope and a lot of fun tonight. It's going to be great. Fourth ranked men's cross country won the Cowboy Jamboree Saturday in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Big time event. All the best teams were there. 
Casey Klinger was the top individual Cougar finisher with a seventh place finish. Very nice. Seventh ranked women's team took third, also excellent, with Aubrey, uh, Aubrey Frenthaway finishing fourth individually. That's the same course they will ha host the national championships on. BYU men's golf finished four under as a team to take fifth place in the Tucker Intercollegiate Tournament wrapping up on Saturday. David Timmons, outstanding individual performance, fifth overall, first top five finish this season. Men's tennis had a good showing at the ITA Bedford Cup this weekend at the Air Force Academy, including Brian Chen and Red Owen, who were undefeated in doubles play. Former BYU men's volleyball star Taylor Sander and his partner take the dub in the first ever Phoenix Championship Two, one, two to <clears throat> excuse me, two to one set win. It's Sanders' first ever AVP win. That's pretty cool to see Taylor That's doing his thing on the Very beach. cool. With Taylor Crab, those guys swapped National Player of the Years, by the way, in 13 and 14. Plenty of reason to rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. So much to discuss within the confines of the BYU 38-24 win over uh, the Cowboys, Jerem. I mean, we're looking at a lot of breakthrough performances. Yeah. Some surprises, ton of injuries. And yeah. so we're all just kind of wondering, all right, in so many aspects, is this sustainable or were some of these performances just because it was circumstantial and of the opponent? So we'll start with this, Jerem. BYU beating Wyoming by 14. And to properly set this up, I want everyone to listen to what Kalani Sitake had to say. We'll take the win. Right, this is a quick turnaround, so we have to learn quickly uh, on uh, for next week. But um, the the, uh, the undisciplined uh, stuff, like the, the penalties, we're just not playing smart football right now, and and uh, we can't do that if we want to be the type of team that we think we can be. Okay, not the happiest coach that we have seen, Jerem, after the 14-point win. Well, it didn't cover. BYU was a 21 <laughs> or 22-point favorite. Yeah, uh, that fluctuated a little bit, but still yeah. winning by 14. So. I mean, what do you take from this this win? I, is is it worthy of celebration, or are you kind of like feeling like Kalani did? I'm feeling like Kalani did uh, because I feel like BYU should have won that game by more. The amount of uh, yards that put BYU puts up in this game, 526. You got to get to like 45 plus points, and then it's a real blowout. It's like okay, it's it's a three score thing. Like this wasn't a blowout. This is a two score game. You're a one play and an onside and a hail mary away from tying this thing up, right? Certainly, BYU dominated the stats. I don't feel like BYU dominated the game. Part of that was the amount of penalties sustained. Uh, what was it, 11 for 109, some of which were merited, many of which didn't feel merited. Uh, perhaps we'll get more into that. 45 but, penalty, penalty yeah. yards in one drive? Yeah. Yeah, that, right. The, the gritty and then the kick out of bounds and then the Ben Bywater suplex. Um, <laughs> all of that combined to like give a lot of Wyoming free yards. Wyoming was on the 35-yard the, line and didn't even have to do anything. Like, well, it was like a 50, right, quickly. It was, it was crazy. Um, there was a kickoff from the 10-yard line in the NFL yesterday. But, yeah, I, I believe that BYU is going to finish as a top-20 team. This does not mean they are unbeatable by a group of five or independent team of the likes of Liberty or East Carolina or Boise State, although Hank Bachmeyer's transferring, so perhaps BYU's already won that game. I kid, but Boise State's certainly struggling having lost by 17 at UTEP over the weekend. Shout out to the homies in El Paso. We know you're a ton of BYU fans there. I, I feel like uh, BYU can be sustainable in the G5 games because BYU's putting up 7.3 yards per carry in the two G5 okay, games. It's okay. two and a half against P5s. It's very different. I feel confident that BYU can run the table against the G5s, but mm. be careful against Li Liberty and Liberty's East Carolina. Liberty's good. And Liberty, East Liberty, Liberty, pretty Liberty. Good too. Yes. BYU's not unbeatable, but they're playing much better, obviously, against 
G5s who aren't ranked. All right. Sustainable or singular performance? Uh, can BYU sustain the number 19 national ranking? Now we get into some individuals. Okay, Miles Davis, sustainable or singular? Because this came out of nowhere, including um, his ability to, to just be available. And that. <laughs> Every time we discuss Miles Davis, this is what's going to happen. We're just going to play it for a sec. It's going to get old then, real fast. Which, by the way, we've never told you who's actually playing the solo on the BYU Sports Nation theme. The trumpet. Was it Miles Davis? It's Miles Davis. How about that? I'm not going to tell you which Miles Davis. Okay. Not that Miles Davis. Oh, which that, Miles Davis it is it? Miles Davis. Uh, what? You ask, is this a singular thing from him or yeah. is this sustainable? Uh, I've had a few conversations with one Tom Holmo about Miles Davis. In fact, tell us everything that Tom told you. Okay, so, well, Tom mentioned, you notice the way he glides, his, his ability to Ooh, hit. Ooh, I the, like that edge too. The way, the, his ability to hit the cut back. Yep. Okay. And then the way he glides, he just kind of floats on the grass. Um, it surprised me, like, how fast he got to the edge in that 70 yard run. I just thought, whoa, mm -hmm. okay. That was a new gear. So I feel like Miles Davis has discovered something. You, you typically need to have like an aha moment. Yeah, and we, I, feel, I think we discovered Miles, not the other way around. I feel like Miles Davis had the aha moment against Wyoming. Like, for him or for us? For him. Like, or did oh, he already know I can do this? Good. I'm pretty good at this. We didn't know he could go for 100 plus. In a wow. Game. You know what I mean? We'd now, heard that BYU liked Miles Davis as the number three. This, now we see why. This is not the first 100 yard performance. Nor, sorry, this is the first. It won't be the last from Miles Davis. Okay. okay this, I love it. This will not be the last. Let's go. So, by definition, not a singular performance. However, Kalani did say it's going to be running back by committee. So, I, I don't know how many carries are. He doesn't want to dismiss to, Chris and Lopini exactly. immediately, and nor should he. I don't know how many carries are to go around between, but, but we will see a committee approach. So, 100 yard rushing efforts are going to be few and far between when you have a committee approach. This is a Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints thing, right? So, we're going to have a lot of committees. Uh, here's Kalani's talking on that. Yeah. Yeah, we just will we'll do it by committee right now and see who's. Who's going to get us the best chance to get the, this run game going? Uh, we needed something, something to go. The last two weeks wasn't good enough, and uh, you can only blame the old line for so long. So, you know, the challenge is for all those guys to step up and make plays and find a way to protect the football with ball security and then find ways to make runs and find ways to puncture and then gain yards. So that, I think Miles did some really good things, and Lopini did some good things, and, and, and even you know, Chris was in there and made some plays. But uh, towards the end, we're going to go with the hot hand. Chris Brooks scored a touchdown in this game. Uh, the first touchdown. Limited Lopini. Sustainable or singular? We sure hope it's sustainable. Uh, but don't forget, Christopher Brooks had 135 in a, rush, in a game this year rushing. Like, we, we would be really weird to just be like, Miles Davis is the guy now and forget yeah. about the others. No, 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 no. BYU's going to need all three. But they discovered a new weapon here, which is exciting. Just as BYU discovered Chase Roberts who caught one long pass to start the game for 37 yards against Oregon and then barely plays in the first uh, half, uh, which, by the way, was, like, concerning. It's like, where's Chase Roberts? Puka plays, gets hurt again, Gunner's out again. It's like, oh, my gosh. So Keanu Hill shows up, which we'll get to in a second, but we sure hope that Miles Davis is sustainable. Does he walk in as the starting running back against Utah State Thursday? I believe he does because this was clearly a – Show me what you got game for all three, except Christopher Brooks didn't play much, which, uh, you know, rumors of a hamstring tightness with Christopher Brooks. We'll see. This was interesting because the second drive, Miles Davis gets all three plays. The second drive, they were clearly trying to see if he could be a guy. 
He's my oh yeah that guy from way back yeah. in the preseason. Oh yeah that guy. Okay, and another oh yeah that guy is Keanu Hill, who I dubbed as he's it was Dax Milne for a few years, most underappreciated BYU football player. No longer. Now it's <laughs> Keanu Hill. Now it is. I believe yes. the most underappreciated BYU football player, and he had an unbelievable breakout game. Five catches, two touchdowns, 160 yards. Is Woo! this sustainable, Jerem, or just a singular performance? It is sustainable if BYU continues to have limited Puka, no gunner, and limited to no chase. I think it might be singular in that, are you asking me, is he going to go for 5, 160, and 2 again? I don't necessarily believe that's going to happen because I believe BYU is going to get Chase Roberts and Gunnar uh, Romney back, and then who knows on Puka, because Keanu had to be the guy in this one because of all those injuries. He has been waiting for this moment, and he was awesome. His dad, Lloyd, was an All-American receiver at Texas Tech. His uncle, Roy Williams, was an All-American at Texas and NFL player. He's got the genes, but he also was ready for the moment, which I really respect. We saw him against USC last year, 4 for 72. He hadn't gone over 70 against an FBS opponent before. Now he explodes in a game where BYU really needed him uh, to show up for BYU to sustainably win. I, do, I don't believe those numbers will be sustainable, like for many games, but I think that his contribution and ability to be ready is absolutely sustainable. 160 yards in a game is a lot to ask. I don't think that's sustainable, but Keanu Hill as a consistent underappreciated, awesome BYU football player, absolutely totally. sustainable. He's made a ton of big catches in a ton of big games. Blocked a punt for a touchdown like, last year. Yeah, this is not new. Like, he's good. Yeah. That is sustainable. And I love that BYU's number three or four receiver can be the number one sometimes when you have injuries, he's right? Not. He's ready. Okay, Jaron Hall, uh, absolutely sustainable, sustainable, right? Next. 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 All those. Up. Please make it manifest. Can we I, sustain can him. I, yes. Can I say this about Jaron Hall? <laughs> People were like, well, he, he kind of is a – He's, someone called him a game manager at some no, point. No, 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 no. And I was like, no, no, wait, no. what? There's a huge difference between Jaron Hall and a game manager in that Jaron Hall knows when to take a risk and take a big shot. Game managers don't take many shots. They're not given the opportunity to be aggressive that much. Jaron Hall has this unbelievable and innate ability to know when to take the shot and how to hit it big. Like, BYU has big plays, but it's not because, like, he's just a gunslinger going around throwing so many deep passes. Yeah. No, he just... He hits it when he absolutely needs to on the big play. And it's accurate. That is Braden, such a talent. Braden Cosper throw. Now, back-to-back home games, end of the half within five seconds where Jaron Hall is finding a toe-touching receiver. How about that? Chase Roberts and Braden yeah, Cosper Yeah, not Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney either. Right. Jaron Hall, quickly, 26 completions, most in a win for him. 337, second most in a win. Four touchdown passes, most versus an FBS opponent. This was one of his finest games on Saturday. And I'll get into this more uh, later in the week, but he is number one in BYU history among all the like the major quarterbacks and giveaway rate, and it's not even close. I'll break it down later in the week. I'd I actually be like okay if he 90 had a few minutes, more giveaways. Right? In the press box, I spent like 90 minutes <laughs> looking this up after the game. I walked out, the post game was over, I was like, I gotta leave. He could be even more aggressive. There are a few more turnovers, whatever. But like hard to complain about anything yes. he's doing. Later in the week, I'll tell you what Jaron's not doing that I think is the next step for him. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh the depth concerns, Jerem. So many. Can BYU continue to win when they have so many starters out? At one point on Saturday night, there were five defensive starters out of the game. Four didn't start the game, and then you lose Malik Moore early, basically the whole game. It was yep. like the first or second play. Injured hand, it sounds okay. like. So how long can BYU sustain when there are so many injuries, the depth, and keep performing at a high level? 
I think it's I think it's singular in that uh, BYU, I, if BYU is as banged up as they were in this game against Notre Dame and Arkansas, I don't like BYU's chances. I really don't. The Cougars have to get healthy for those two games to compete well. And then there's going to be a G5 sneaky game where if BYU's this banged up, they may lose. Like, did we not learn from the UAB game that if BYU is, is injured, that the standard won't be the same on even both sides of the ball? Luckily on offense... Your number three receiver and running back showed up in a massive way going 100-plus so that BYU can win. I am very concerned about this list of guys that were out or injured associated with Wyoming. Puka Nakua, Chase Roberts, Gunnar Romney, Malik Moore, Max Tooley, Caleb Hayes, Gabe Summers, Earl Tuioti Mariner, Kingsley Suamata'ia, Peyton Wilgar did return. But that list is way too long at game four, Spence. I had like a four-minute live hit going through all of the injuries, <laughs> it felt like. Okay, that might be a little, Too bit much. A, a little bit of an exaggeration, but I was like, this is a journey, a journey on live television through all of these injuries. I'm going to give you some good news. Gunnar Romney's going to play very soon. It might be against Utah State. I hope so. He needs a warm-up yeah. game. So he's on. Gunnar Romney's going to be back. Caleb Hayes, expected to be back against Utah State. Max Tooley. He is available for Utah State. Don't know if BYU will use him, but available for Utah State. Certainly, he'll be back for Notre Dame. So, those three right there, that makes me feel at least yes. a little bit better about things. Concerned about Puka Nakua and yes. what that is. Was it a hamstring? Uh, you know, Chase Roberts with a Chase Roberts come along, too. He's not yeah. going to be out long. He, he dressed and then Utah didn't. Yeah. He was in street clothes in the second half. Chase will be available for Utah State. Kingsley Suamata'ia in a similar situation. Maybe the coaches give him a break against Utah State because they don't have to have him against the Aggies, we think, yeah. right? Yeah. This is, I mean, this Aggie team, it's not no, good. I watched They're the, not good. I watched the entire game over the weekend against one of these so bad through five picks, uh, and a lot of those were preventable. Logan Bonner is not the same dude he was last year. Yeah, so I mean, Kingsley will be back by Notre Dame. Good, great news. Like there's so while the list is long, we expect to get a bunch of guys back for BYU and see them, if not against Utah State, certainly for Notre Dame. Beat Utah State, even if it's shorthanded. So get those guys back. Then we're talking about Notre Dame sustaining success. Notre Dame. Okay, now topic two to our game day guarantees. One for six. I went zero for three. You got one. Spence, which one did you get? I should have been two for three because it was a bogus holding call on the goal line when Miles Davis scored. Miles Davis should have a touchdown, and I should have had two for three guarantees. There he is. There he is. We should have been playing the trumpet. Gosh. Uh, One for the. So I said Lopini Katoa scored a touchdown. That didn't happen. G5 killer was Miles Davis. Not Lupini Katoa. How about that? Uh, BYU will hold Wyoming 300 yards of total offense or less. That's where I got the point. And then, yeah, so close to 40-plus, but a penalty, go figure. Yeah. Uh, You're 7 for 12 for the year. I'm 2 for 12 in guarantees. (laughs) I've got to cool it quite a bit. Jeez. (laughs) That's bad. I guarantee I won't get it. Oh, boy. Our question of the day. What was the most sustainable performance you saw in BYU's win over Wyoming. Was it Jerem's guarantees? <laughs> that I won't? That I'll lose <laughs> Fantasy Friday and not get guarantees? Miles Davis, Terrible Keanu right now. Hill, Jaron Hall, injuries, BYU depth, Cougars continuing to win as a top 20 team. Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. Lewis Gillespie answers on Instagram. Jaron Hall's passing game was on point oh, yeah. despite having to escape defenders multiple times. And Miles Davis was a great asset for running and passing. Okay, it's awesome. Is Miles Davis a future uh, first-round pick, dual threat guy as a as a receiver out of the backfield as okay. well? Okay. 
Coming up, join uh, Greg Rubel and the coordinators Celeste Tuyaki, Aaron Roderick, as they look back on Saturday's win versus Wyoming on Coordinators Corner, 2 Eastern on the BYU TV app. ESPN's Trevor Maddich joins us next for another Maddich Monday. Is he thinking the Cougars can hang on with all of these injuries? We'll ask him that and much more next on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. We are live in Studio B. We too are here to dominate. This is BYU Sports Nation, your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Joining us now is ESPN college football insider and expert Trevor Maddich. Maddich Monday. After another BYU victory, the Cougars still number 19 in the country. They're 3-1 and one and have a date with Utah State on Thursday. Trevor, welcome to the show. How was your weekend? It was a relief, wasn't it? Wow, the way that Wyoming game started and then finally, okay, grind it out. I, I was worried that my weekend was going to end up being incredibly emotionally draining in the most negative ways. But then BYU pulled it out, man, so it was a great weekend. How would you assess BYU's overall performance against the Cowboys in that 38-24 win? Overall, you've got to give them a lot of credit. They played a sloppy game. They made uh, plenty of mistakes. But they played against a Wyoming team that came out on fire with the kind of team that would give BYU trouble right now, especially coming off of the Baylor and Oregon weeks back to back. And BYU took their best punch, and then they started to gather themselves, and then they started to punch back. And you don't always get to, to play the game you want. Sometimes you have to play the game you're in. And that game was, it was a dirty, ugly fight. And fortunately, BYU rose up and they won the fight yet again. We were just talking about in what's trending. Who or what was the most sustainable thing uh, in BYU versus Wyoming? Because some of those things feel like they might be singular. You hope Miles Davis can keep that going. But he came into the game as the number three running back. He walks out as the number one running back going into Thursday, perhaps. And with Keanu Hill, he showed up in a big way when BYU's top three receivers weren't in the game. So... What do you feel like was the most sustainable thing from that game? Well, you start with Jared Hall. He has been just magnificent in terms of incredible consistency over the course of whatever kind of game they happen to be in. Uh, you know, whether they're playing Baylor, Oregon, this one against Wyoming, he is just amazingly steady at such a high level. And I, that, that to me is, is very repeatable because he's shown it's repeatable. He just does it all the time. He is averaging over 70% of his completion, uh, pass completions. And against Oregon, he was 70% pass completions as well. And that was in a loss. And I don't like to talk a lot about stats, but one of the most important ones for quarterbacks is not passer rating. It's QBR, quarterback rating, which takes into account not just your passing, but also your running turnovers and when you do certain things. In other words, if you throw the ball for an eight-yard completion, your passer rating goes up. But if it's third and nine, your QBR will go down. So it's a better indication of how well you're doing. And in that Oregon loss, Jared Hall's passer rating, or excuse me, QBR, overall quarterback rating, was 74 out of 100. 100's perfect, 50's average. He was 74 in the loss. So that, that steadiness of him was, I think, the thing that is the most uh, repeatable, and that's critical. 
because the most important position is the one that's giving them the most consistency right now. And he has he carried them through some very difficult times. College football insider Trevor Maddox is on BYU Sports Nation. Yeah, Jaron Hall has been Mr. Consistency with those nine touchdowns, only one giveaway overall, and that happened in game number one in a blowout for BYU. A lot of people feel like because Jaron Hall is the quarterback, BYU is going to be in every game. But Trevor, what else has to happen to join Jaron Hall's excellence for BYU to not just beat Utah State, but really compete and beat the likes of Notre Dame and Arkansas? Well, the defense has to be healthy, and the rotation has to be effective, especially up front. This is something we've talked about from the beginning of the season, that BYU's defensive line is quite good when they're all there and they're rotating through and staying fresh. But they they don't have a lot of guys on that defensive line that are dynamic disruptors, that are dynamic pass rushers. And so the, the guys like Tyler Batty, the guys uh, that can actually make plays individually without blitzes and without stunts and things like that, those guys are continuing to be a work in progress from a depth standpoint. And I think once BYU gets to the point to where they've got more guys on the defensive front that are making plays in the backfield individually, that's when this team as a whole will jump up to the next level. Does it matter who's carrying the ball for BYU when you're on a team like that? Because certainly I could see the argument for both. Because Miles Davis is like, okay, do, we don't know if we can rely on Miles Davis. Granted, he's only really been given one game where we can see something, and he certainly showed up. But you just wonder when you go up against Notre Dame and Arkansas, like, okay, that's a different level where you need consistency, and BYU is looking for it at that running back position. Does it matter who's carrying the ball for BYU right now? Uh, it does. I think you need somebody that can make something happen on their own because you've got a very good offensive line at BYU and they're being maligned right now. I think in many ways, unfairly, this offensive line is very good. What Miles Davis showed against Wyoming was the ability to make a play when something wasn't there. I mean, you look at that 70 yard run that he had uh, to the left. It was a massive hole. The blocking was fantastic, not just the O-line, but the receivers as well. And he burst through it and off he went. And what was impressive there was that when he puts his foot in the ground to cut, he doesn't delay. He doesn't like have a little lag before he gets going. He puts his foot in the ground and bam, he's gone full speed straight up the field. And that's one of the reasons he's able to burst through holes that open and close very quickly. That one was open. It stayed open. But that's not my favorite thing about his, his performance against Wyoming. It was a pitch to the right. And the game was, I don't know, about 10 yards or so. It wasn't a huge game. But when that ball was pitched to him in the backfield out wide, there were two defenders on the line of scrimmage right in front of him. Two. And I'm thinking, okay, kid, now what do you got, right? Well, what he did was put that foot in the ground and then cut slightly inside the inside of those defenders. It wasn't a massive cutback. It was just a little bit. But he did it so fast, and the angle he chose was so perfect that he ran by both of those unblocked defenders standing right in front of it. That, to me, is something that you can't teach. It's just You just have to have it. Is it repeatable? I hope so. Certainly, we, we are seeing that, and we see great promise. Uh, and I, I think that he's got a chance to, to do some things that um, not a lot of, of running backs can really do. I just don't mean at BYU. I mean really anywhere. If he can continue to beat guys at the point of attack that aren't blocked, because then you combine that with a, with a very good offensive line, and all of a sudden your running game gets more dynamic. Trevor, we've talked already about BYU's defense needing to get healthy, and by the time Saturday night wrapped up, 
was almost comical how long the injury list was for BYU. And now the offense is starting to feel it, certainly in the wide receiver room with Puka Nakua going down again, an undisclosed injury there. Chase Roberts was out with some nicks and bruises. Uh, rumor has it it's a hip flexor. Uh, and then you got Gunnar Romney who hasn't played all season. Okay, Kingsley Suamataia gets a little bit banged up. How concerned are you about BYU's health and status just with depth at this point of the season? It's a big deal. They can't just have one guy going deep. I mean, Keanu Hill seemed to be that guy against Wyoming for the most part, and he was fantastic. But you can't just have one guy because defenses can roll to that one guy, take him away, and then all of a sudden attack the line of scrimmage in ways that they wouldn't be able to if you've got multiple guys that can get deep. Taking the top off a of defense is a real thing, and you need more than one guy that can do it. But there is help on the way. Did somebody uh, mention Miles Davis? Uh, yeah. Miles Davis came in. To this program is a wide receiver shifted over to running back still has the speed of a wide receiver but now he's got the moves and the strength of a running back he's built his strength why couldn't they put two running backs in the backfield and then once in a while take davis and split him out wide put him in motion run him as a wide receiver or have him with two backs in the backfield and have one be a lead blocker the thing that this does is create matchup nightmares for defenses because uh, if you have a guy that's big enough like a linebacker to be able to to stop the run inside if they hand it off in there, that guy's not going to be able to go out and cover Miles Davis in space when he goes out and performs a wide receiver role. You just It's a nightmare problem. A guy small enough and fast enough to cover him as a wide receiver is going to get run over at the point of attack if you hand the ball off. So these are things that Coach Roderick has the opportunity to really demonstrate some creativity. And I haven't talked to them yet, so I don't want anybody to think that that I'm spilling the beans here. This is just what I think. But I think with, with receivers going down and issues with depth there, all of a sudden you've got a wide receiver playing running back for you who just showed that with the ball in his hands, he's really good. Now, he's got a lot to learn in a lot of ways. I think, you know, pretty much everybody does. But you can game plan for him things that he can do, that he can learn and do well and do fast. And I want to see that against Utah State. Is Miles Davis Cordero Patterson of the Atlanta Falcons? Is that what we're getting at, Trevor? Well, he's got a chance to be. You know, we've got to be careful of, you know, <laughs> crowning him the, the Heisman Trophy winner. Well, I mean, one game. You know, certainly. you see all the time. One game. That happened to Florida's quarterback, Anthony Richardson, against Utah, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, he he went out there, and everybody said, oh, this is the Heisman winner. This guy's fantastic. And he has regressed to the mean since then. And he looks so good against Utah because Utah's a great team. But it was more bad defense than good offense when it came to that because at times they lost their mind and got out of their gaps. And so you'd have two or three Ute defenders in one gap and nobody in the adjacent gap, and that's where the quarterback went, Anthony Richardson of Florida. So um, it was a little bit too soon to say that he was going to be this massive Heisman usurper. And so we want to be a little bit careful about what we expect from Miles Davis going forward, not put too much pressure on him. But he's got potential to continue to grow into a role of playmaker with tremendous versatility. The question is, how much can he assimilate mentally and then apply to the field what he learned in, the, in practice and in the meeting room in a way that's consistent for Jaron Hall? Because Jaron can't afford to stand back there and wait and see if Miles went to the right spot. Right. Miles needs to go to the right spot. And so that's what he needs to demonstrate. Miles busy playing the trumpet, scoring, uh, you know, running down the field for BYU. He's a busy guy. Okay, so Utah State comes in. Hey, Certainly hey, BYU. Hey, 
Miles can play the trumpet without even without even touching the the mouthpiece. He can put it way out here and play that thing. Just it's as all, well it's as an unbelievable feat, but unknown to man prior to this about. century. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Utah State comes in having lost to Weber State and UNLV at home. Certainly BYU should dial it in, focus, beat that team. But the build to this point has been for Notre Dame and now Arkansas. How are you feeling about BYU's chances against those two, given how banged up the Cougars are? They are hoping Chase Roberts and Gunnar Romney can come back for those games. We'll see about Pukunakua. Well, they are banged up, and that's a real problem because those are two very physical teams. And Notre Dame, their demise was reported prematurely also. They just went out and smacked North Carolina in the mouth. And you would expect their offense to do well against that North Carolina defense that's been struggling. This is Notre Dame now. But the Notre Dame offense, which has been struggling and is working on their backup quarterback, um, you know, did what they needed to do. The Notre Dame defense went against one of the best offenses in the country and shut them down. North Carolina's quarterback, uh, Drake May, was a five-star recruit that was committed to Alabama who then decided to stay home at Carolina because he's a North Carolina kid. And so this guy is, is as talented as any quarterback in the country. And Notre Dame shut them down. And so it's a, it's a physical Irish team. And then, of course, we know what Arkansas can do. And so in some ways, this, this Saturday night, the Thursday game for BYU is very tricky because it's a rivalry game. And Utah State is capable. They've been struggling. But if, if their quarterback, Bonner, cuts down on the uh, interception. I think he has, what, eight interceptions in the last two weeks, both mm. games' losses. If he can cut those down, then all of a sudden their passing attack uh, could be a threat, especially if he's got time in the pocket. And he has had time in the pocket. He just keeps throwing it to the other team. And so they are a threat. If BYU can get past them on Thursday, then that short week becomes a benefit because now they've got a long week heading into uh, Las Vegas and Notre Dame, and they'll have a chance to maybe get a little bit more healthy. But it's important for fans to understand that it's just like Wyoming last week, they gave, gave us a scare in the first half, didn't they? But Utah State has the ability to do some things that could make this a long day for BYU. And so they need to focus on this game. But if they do, and if they win, then they've got a long week that they can actually recuperate. This is a lot of injuries in September for the Cougars. ESPN's Trevor Maddich sounding his own trumpet like a champion. Trevor, great to talk with you again. Thanks. Thanks, guys. All right. The man, Maddich Monday, bringing it. He's, he's keeping our blue goggles in, on Miles Davis in check. Yes, he is. Join us tonight, 9 Eastern time, for the BYU men's basketball season preview. Live from day one of practice, coaches mic'd up, tons of interviews. Get to know the new guys. And is BYU football more worthy of a number 14 national ranking or number 19? Two polls, big disparity, we'll discuss next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation, Jerem. Welcome back to the program. Make sure you follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Winston. Time to whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. He's 14th on the Athletics 131 rankings of all FBS teams, 19th in the AP poll. Is BYU closer to 14th or 19th best in your opinion? I just think BYU should be one spot higher than Baylor. So <laughs> just by, And Utah. Yeah, yeah it, that's the only confusing. So technically, I think they, they should be a little closer to 14th based on where Baylor is ranked. Just, I think BYU needs to be ahead of Baylor based on the head-to-head -head win. Mid-teens feels about right. Yeah. Some, well, maybe 16, 16 17. 16. Yeah. One spot ahead of Baylor makes yep. sense to me. 
All right, it's Monday uniform watch, Jerem. Uh, we got a new combo. Mm -hmm. BYU's going with the royal and white for Utah State this week. Royal helmet, royal top, white pants. How would you rate the drip? I, I rate it like a nine. I really like it because royal and because the face mask is royal as well. And this is that royal helmet, which looks sick. Mm. Mason Wake brought back the hurdle against Wyoming. And at P underscore Flood7 on Twitter said, thought it looked familiar, which raises the question, who great. did it better? <laughs> Looks pretty close. The, the Wyoming Cowboy logo versus Mason Wake. Hey, that horse is used to someone being on its back. You know, it's not that Wyoming defender not used to being hurdled. So Mason Wake for the win. <laughs> it just happened so fast. So I got to give Mason credit because it was like an instantaneous it, reaction. He turned it was around like, and then jumped. So in volleyball, typically you'll get like a four-step approach. No. This was like a two-step for Mason where he turns and just goes up real quick. Fantastic. Impressive. Fantastic. Impressive. Coming up, coming up, coming up. 7 Eastern time on the BYU TV app. After further review as the guys break down the win versus Wyoming. Thursday night, short week with Utah State coming up. And the fastest coach to 200 volleyball wins yeah. in NCAA history, Heather Olmstead, joins us in Studio B. This is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs>
225 total matches, you've won 200. I mean, what? How, how do you establish that type of culture? What are you doing to establish that type of winning precedent? Yeah, we have young women at BYU that want to be great, that you know believe in themselves, they know what they want, and they're hungry to keep getting better and, and to have success on and off the court. So I think the secret really is the players in the program how you recruit, you know, how you train. We feel confident in how we can train our players and, and our staff. But I really think the magic is the student athletes. You, you know that. You watch them. They're, they're, they're the, the people come to watch our team, and that's really cool. And, and we, we put on a good show on Saturday, so yeah. it was just super cool. It was a good show, and it was a match that I wouldn't say it was the cleanest or most efficient, yeah. but you said after the game to Kenzie uh, in your interview that you loved that that's how that game played out. Why was that? Why were you okay with winning that type of game. Yeah, we had to show some grit, some fight, some resiliency. Uh, we came out in set one, like, really assertive and, and really putting it to them, and then they came back and gave it right back to us, and we had a choice to make. We made some changes. We had all hands on deck. We had everybody available to help the team win. We were problem-solving the whole match. Those are the funnest matches where it's just a grind, and we saw some fight and some resiliency from our girls, and, and they just looked each other in the eye and said, let's go, we're doing this, and they just – I mean, even up until match point, you know, we had a couple match points where it's like, here we go. What, what type of team are we going to be? This is a chance for us to step up and for someone to make a play. And sure enough, Aaron Livingston mm. gets it done. You have faced some significant challenges. I mean, three top 10 teams that are all still in the top 10. You get your first ranked win against Pepperdine. San Diego looms their number four. So how do you take those frustrating experiences and kind of mold that into something that can be positive and help get your girls ready for the likes of San Diego and, and other good West Coast Conference teams further down the line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're looking at those experiences as, as things that can help us grow and, and learn and get better and figure out what we need to do to, to get better and to challenge ourselves. And we knew Pepperdine was an opportunity. Look, here it is. It came quicker than we thought after those matches that we, you know, we, we weren't able to capitalize on. And what are we going to do about this match right here in front of us, including Thursday LMU, who goes and plays San Diego really tough mm -hmm. you know, two days later. We know that. This conference is, is loaded top to bottom, and it's a challenge every time we get on the court. We're going to have a challenge this, this week on the road. And so we're just looking to get better every day. And, and if you can take something from each match to get a little bit better, we're looking at the Pepperdine match. What can we do today to get better for this Thursday based off even you know, a win? We've got to be able to learn from wins. Portland and Gonzaga on the road this week. I know the fans show up with those. Hey, last time Absolutely. to see BYU in yep. Portland and Spokane in the West Coast Conference, right? Um, this, this group has been a little unique. You've needed to rely on the middles uh, more. You're still figuring out the second outside hitter spot. Kate Grimmer's an excellent passer. Offense has been a little down. What's it been like to sort of try and figure this out this year with this group? Because you're still winning despite yeah. not being the same sort of formula. Yeah, we love setting our middles. We love running our offense through our middles. I think one of Whitney Bauer's strengths is being able to find and look. I mean, I, I was watching film um, of her setting the middles on the floor. She's on the ground. And there's, there's good times to do that and, and not good times where I'm like, hey, probably not a good time. But anytime you get a kill out of it, it's a great time. And she ducks down. Like, she'll, she'll just get low and then set up. And that, yeah. a lot of that's because the pass will be low. So she'll have to mm -hmm. get a little bit lower to get some, some, some leverage there. But I think our ability to set – our offense through our middles and establish the middles and they're doing such a great job opens up some some pins but yeah we're we're continuing trying to problem solve and give players opportunities to step up and I think that's what's great and special about this team is you know we do have some positions that are that are locked up but we have positions that are still competing and we're still trying to figure out exactly what that looks like and if if we're not exactly playing or uh, executing at the highest level we're going to 
give other players opportunities, um, but we want them to feel comfortable and know that they can make mistakes. And, and we're just trying to, you know, win, and they know that. And so they're, they're, all, they're all supportive of that. How do you balance that? Because that's a tricky line to walk of, like, you know you want your players to be able to learn and grow. Like you said, you can make mistakes and it, it's okay. But at some point you're like, hey, it's time to put up and play and do the right thing. So how, how do you adequately walk the line with this team in that regard? Yeah, I think continually talking them through it, giving them opportunities in practice, helping them uh, rely on their previous experience of, of having success. And some of them have great success in matches. I thought Elise Stola went in and, and, and brought the energy and brought a couple kills that we needed, especially in the third set. She went high hands and, and provided a spark there. And I thought Aria playing in the libero, yeah. you know, provided a spark for us there. So You switched to mid-match, yep. Yeah, and I think that, that's what I'm saying. All hands on deck. We need everyone available to help this team be the very best we can be and not be so worried about the outcome or, or winning conference or winning and losing matches. But how good can this group be at the end of season as we head into the tournament? Because every year it's tough to win conference, and um, it's, winning is, is extremely difficult. And so we've got to stick together and believe in each other and, and just keep trying to get better. 225. That's a nice round number on all accounts. That's pretty right. good. Just, and, and by the way, another stat that I'll just uh, say in front of Heather. Number one in win percentage, not just among active coaches, all freaking time <laughs> in women's volleyball. Amazing. <laughs> Heather, thanks for coming on the program. Congratulations. We appreciate you guys. Thank you. I took a pick with Heather after. I was like, this is a historic moment. I took it. It's historic. Yeah. Okay. Also historic. Tomorrow night's the Take Show. Not quite the same history involved, but 8.30 Eastern time as they break down the Wyoming win. Hey, Utah State. Again, Thursday night. This is a short, exciting week with the Aggies. Plus, up next, a rise and shout out to a few of our own and their great efforts to promote the Black 14. What a great documentary. That was really cool. Stay with us on BYU Sports Nation. Sports. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Make sure you download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps or listen to the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. It is time for our fantasy football recap. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you beat me by like 40 to 50 points. No Bri joke. To briefly uh, recap, we have seven players on our rosters. We choose three of those players to yep. represent our fantasy football teams each week. You have one offensive player, one defense, and then one flex player. Well, in my case, I'm all defensive in my attitude. Uh, points are awarded on offense for yards gained, touchdowns, defensively for tackles, TFLs, sacks, takeaways, touchdowns and field goals, extra points on special teams. So, uh, <laughs> the results are in. Uh, we'll start with me. So Chris Brooks has two carries, one of which is a touchdown, touchdown. but only seven points. Okay. I, I've, I've got to figure out what I'm doing with Chris here. Uh, so does BYU. Ben Bywater, seven tackles. That's fine, defensively. Um, Chase Roberts like doesn't play, so that's an issue. Mm. If, if Chase Roberts has had the Keanu Hill game, that would have been nice. I still would have lost by like 30 to you because you had a monster day. Yeah, Keanu Hill had nobody started Keanu, so maybe Keanu Hill is a, is a waiver wire pickup, right? Or Miles Davis. Well, number three or four receiver. Or Gunner, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, Gunner's coming back. Gunner's Gunner. on my roster still. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. All right, here, look at my starters. Hurry, Zach, come back. Jaron Hall. Hey, Jaron Hall alone, like by himself, yeah. probably could have won it. This is 33 yeah. points. No, no, no. Jamal Williams by himself would have won it. <laughs> with no Jamal touchdowns. Jamal goes yeah. for 20 with two touchdowns. Wow. 
That was quite the pick. Well, well. Like Fred Warner, Ben Bywater, neutralized, right? Yeah, yeah. Fred Warner was yeah. seven, yeah. so 60 points. I think earlier. That's a record. This, earlier in the season, we said like, if you get to 40, that's a really good week. Oh, amazing! 60 is the maybe the best you'll ever have. Like, that's points amazing. this week. Woo! I'm down 04. Like, maybe this get is, Zach Wilson back this week. This though. is maybe. This is almost over. <laughs> like, am I gonna win? Win. You know, <laughs> seven of the next uh, nine here? Maybe. Maybe. Probably not. I don't have a good attitude Zach, about it. Zach Wilson's coming back. Zach Cameron. Wilson? I've got to rely on a Jets quarterback? What I love you, Zach. Yeah, what if you get Zach Wilson? Jets. Chase Roberts has a big week. You pick up Miles Davis, perhaps? Miles Davis feels like the obvious pick for Am Utah I just going to have week. all three running backs from Maybe. BYU? Or you could drop one and pick up Miles. Who, who am I dropping? Kristen Lopini. <laughs> Question of the day, Jeez. following fantasy football. What was the most sustainable performance you saw in BYU's victory against Me Wyoming? Me stinking in fantasy. <laughs> Born, Born the most consistent man. thing all year. Gabe Hardy on Instagram answers, I think the referees had the most sustainable performance <laughs> in that win. They came out with a oh. game plan, and they stuck to it the entire that, game. The worst one was the spot that was supposed to set up third and one, but it was a first down. It was like, that was a yard What about back the, there. the play that should have been blown dead for crying out loud? It was an incomplete pass. John Nelson picks it up and runs they 50 just allow yards it. the other way, and then BYU gets a penalty at the end of a play that should have never existed. That was bad, dude. Oh, my goodness. Come on. Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Matt Jonathan Hawk. Easy answer. Jaron Hall is like a good old reliable Honda Civic. He gets BYU to a winning destination on a consistent basis, and he can run forever if he needs to, all while being humble and confident as a leader. Now, I, now I think there needs to be a better, uh, yeah. a better yeah, I'm car say, comp, like, but like I get Jaren's the idea. like a Tesla, yeah. dude. Yeah. Like, he, he's, he's reliable in that fashion. He doesn't, he doesn't require a ton of maintenance. Nope. Right? Nope. Jaren, Jaren's a Tesla. Today's Rise of Shadow presented by Mountain America, official credit union and BYU Athletics. Elizabeth Dahlstrom, Shiloh Johnson, and everyone involved with the Black 14 documentary, which you can see on the BYU TV app right now. Amazing. Oh, so good. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer. Shout out to Kalen Hall. We'll see you for Coordinator's Corner at 2 p.m. Eastern on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs. Based on the